It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. Hi, we're Matt and John, the content creators for Friday Night Games. We want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by educating and entertaining you through our board gaming adventures. Our podcast lands every Friday and we create for Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This episode is sponsored by TabletopRenaissance.ca, located in our hometown of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. They just launched their web store, so check out TabletopRenaissance.ca for your board game and tabletop miniature needs. On today's episode, we're going to discuss overlooked games. We're going to make up some rules on what an overlooked game is. We will discuss why games get overlooked. We will pick some really amazing overlooked games. And finally, we'll give some advice on how not to be overlooked in the game market. What are some of these ground rules for overlooked games here, Matt? All right, all right. I think we have to have played it and loved it most of all. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, if we haven't played it, then it's definitely overlooked on our end. (laughs) (laughs) Which there's a lot of games we haven't played, so maybe. So why? Why should we have played it and loved it? I mean, we should, you know, have some some sort of investment in the game just to give it that extra little bit of clout when we're talking about it. Yeah, it has to be something we actually believe in. It's hard to talk about something you haven't played which there is something I haven't played which is good but anyways we'll discuss a little bit later (laughs) number two it cannot be overhyped what does that mean oh you know sometimes when games come out it just seems like everybody's on it all kind of seeing through that on your socials and stuff yeah usually i like pop open the web browser on twitter and i'm like oh i guess everyone's promoting this (laughs) yeah (laughs) right now hey there's my hey there's my grandmother what's she doing (laughs) she's playing arnak right now holy smokes yeah (laughs) why do you think it shouldn't be overhyped you know you're looking at when you're when you're trying to market a game you want to get those influential people to have a voice in your game promote your game as much as you can so that your game will sell especially if it's like a kickstarter game i i think for sure like when a game comes out yeah you're right if it's a kickstarter game you have a lot of people be like you got to play this you got to play this and you're like do i need to play this (laughs) (laughs) are you saying that because you got the game it's a kickstarter are you saying it because you actually have to play it yeah and i think too sometimes hype is a little too real I guess. And sometimes that hype can make your expectations big. You know, sometimes that can be deflated when you play a game. You're like, eh. Oh, yeah. I have that with movies all the time. Like, whenever someone says, I'm going to love this movie, I always go in. I always come out of the movie like, eh, it was fine. Yeah. But then when I when I go see a movie and I think it's going to be like the worst movie ever, I'm like, eh, it was actually pretty decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny (laughs) Uh, so what so what year so so third thing i think it could be from any year but i want to keep it more recent maybe like 2016 to 2021 yeah i had the game i picked from 2020 okay mine's from 2019 maybe i think Nice. Yeah. I I think it just needs to be more recent. This doesn't have to be the case, but I want it to be relevant in print and you can get it. So if I'm about to say a game like, hey, you need to go check out this game, I think it needs to be, you know, you could buy it basically. Right. The fourth rule is it cannot be in the top 1,000 on Board Game Geek's top list of games from. 2016 to 2021 but i guess that the top thousand is like all the games 
from every year. So can't be on that list. Why is yours on it? Is yours on that list? No, I doubt it. I didn't even look, to be honest. Okay. But... Well, we'll check it later. Cross reference. Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> that's good. I see. I, I think that's because it, the lower it is on that list, the harder it is to be recognized. Like the top 1,000 are mostly popular at one time or another. And, you know, they've been hyped up or promoted or played or whatever. Yeah. I mean, for what it is, it's actually kind of close to it, but it's not. So. Oh, okay. All right. I trust you. I trust you. And then finally, and this is kind of like obvious, it can't be an expansion to a top game. So like, for instance, Unmatched or Villainous has like a bunch of games. It, it can't be, like, it just can't be an expansion. Okay. I don't think that counts oh, because- There it, goes my game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me scratch off all the Villainous games right there, right? <sighs> I, I just think that, you know, an expansion is, is sort of like how a board game company gets their original game played, right? Like, they know they have a good game, and their set is not played a lot, so they just release an expansion, and it gets a little bit more hype, you know? Yeah, for sure. I guess there's rules against that, like, Villainous and Unmatched, they're just releasing more characters, and they're all standalone, so it doesn't necessarily mean that at all, but, you know, I just want it to be something that, you know, that's it, this is the game, you know, it's it's under-recognized, and, and you're going to love it. So just to recap, you know, we have played it and loved it. It can't be overhyped. It can be from any year, but we want to keep it recent. It's not in the top 1,000 on Board Game Geek, and it's not an expansion. Sounds good. Anything else you want to add to that before we go in, uh, Before we get into our picks? Do, do we have to both play it? I don't know if you played my pick or not yet. No, no, I don't think we both have to play no. it. Okay. But there will Denmark be one we pick together that obviously we'll both have to play it. Because <laughs> we picked it together, right? All right. All right, so that those are the points, how we chose our game. But before we get into the games that we chose, John, why do you think a game is overlooked? There's a lot of reasons, I think. I mean, there's a bunch of games that get released every year. Some are obviously more popular than others, you know, especially if you're... If it's like a Kickstarter game and you kind of run alongside a campaign that is larger, you can kind of get lost in the noise a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think like what it all comes down to is just like marketing strategy or marketing budget from the company. Oh, nice. Nice. Because those are my main two points, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you can have a marketing strategy, but if you don't have that budget, you're not going to reach as much people. Yeah. So, so let me just, let's, let's break down marketing a bit. Okay. So, you know, obviously there's more to branding than say Batman, right? Right. So <laughs> we always use we always use Batman as like a huge IP branding thing, maybe because you love it. Maybe. But I think there's like three points, and I'm sure you could agree with me. So the brand could be the company, the brand could be the mm-hmm. franchise, and the brand could be the market. And I think that those yeah. are the three things that really sell the marketing of a product. So brand as a company is simple as that the company produces great games so whatever game they produce is going to sell and the two main examples of that are letter games who make root and stonemeyer games who make wingspan yeah i didn't throw like pandasaurus in that too yeah okay so pandasaurus is in there too because yeah. their, their quality of their game is always gonna be top quality you know the game you're gonna get is gonna be a really good game yeah right so so i think like that has huge influence do you agree Oh, uh, 100%. When you see the brand new, you know, Pandasaurus brew coming out, for instance, what, what comes to your mind? Oh, I just know, like, I'm going to like it. I'm going to use a term that I that I, that I I hear off D- Dice Tower, and it's called trust equity. So basically, you know, I've been played a lot of Pandasaurus games, and I've enjoyed most, if not all, of the games from them. So I kind of just have that, you know, they're going to put something out, and I'm probably going to enjoy it. Right. That it is what it is. I'll just pick it up. And we talk about this in other podcasts too. If you're like a lesser known company, you know, you're 
launching a Kickstarter or you're launching a game. I don't know who you are. Why do you want $100,000 <laughs> of our money, right? Like Because I need to make a company, John. <laughs> And I need your money to do it. You're you're a little bit less trusting with that with an unknown person to to give your money to, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of Kickstarter campaigns that are still successful yet you never see anything, right? Look right. at a game that Bill backed like three years ago still hasn't shown up. Well, probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. But oh, that should be on our list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that totally should. That should be the game we choose together. Yeah. So I mean, like your 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 brand is. 100% going to influence whether or not I purchase something from you. Oh yeah, you know what? Like look at look at Letter Games and the Root expansions. Like the Root has obviously been amazing game and it's sold a lot, but they put out the two Marauder expansions and the second Clockwork. I think they got like over two I think I, I actually don't know, but I, last time I looked, which was very early in the campaign, they had over 3 million dollars. Right. Right. So, you know, they're going to be successful and people are backing it because they know that they're going to get their game. There's trust there. Right. So it makes sense. 100%. So what'd you call that word? Trust equity? Trust equity. Yeah. So how do you lose trust? Sorry? How do you lose trust? Not that I'm writing down that as a note for my game <laughs> company. A bit, a bit like I said before, right? So if you if you back something from a company and they don't deliver, you know, you're gonna you're gonna lose trust in that company or that or that publisher or whatever. So to lose to lose trust, I just need to lie, basically. Or, you know, you deliver you deliver something that wasn't promised or something, you know, like it's not the quality that you were expecting, I guess. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into to a game being overlooked. I think it just really comes down to marketing. All right. Well, how hold many on. people well, have played it? We're still on marketing here. So so I had brand as a <laughs> franchise and brand and the brand can be a market. So brand as a franchise is pretty obvious. That's you know Batman, and we talk a lot about that on every podcast, right? And I think like you know now that you're throwing words in my head, I totally agree with it. And you know trust equity with Batman is that you expect the Batman product to be high quality correct yep like when you and, when, you know sometimes that lets me down but that's just it is what it is i still go back to it because you have such a high thought of the brand itself right right and then and then finally brand is a market and that is you know who you're pitching the game to in my mind and you know the board game industry is pretty diverse but i mean realistically when i go to conventions it's a sea of males right so yeah. you, so you know that they're going to be marketing mostly towards males i mean there you know there's a lot of great games out there there's games about like you know for instance calico is about cats and sewing and it's a fantastic game and everyone should play it but at the same time you know there's there's also very like male centric games too which are definitely targeting males right through art yeah. or whatever i don't know i think that's going to change i hope so I hope so. If it hasn't already, just in the current, you know, world climate, I guess. Well, and that's and that's one of those things of the trust equities being lost <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Like, it's good because, you know, games shouldn't only be targeting a very specific group, right? I mean, it's like video games when we were children were very male-centric and they, sh you know, they why? Who knows? Because the people making them were boys who had, you know, for some reason it was boys were into it. You know, STEM was mostly for males and, and now, well, e even when we were growing up there's a huge push for stem for women but there's even more now and it should be like that because there's no reason why there's no reason why it can't be diverse right right all right so now that we're out of marketing the second thing i agree with and you mentioned was budget uh -huh. right the company if a company's small and new and doesn't have money to send out games to advertisers or in this day and age an advertiser is a content creator like mm -hmm. friday night games <laughs> underscore official on instagram 
<laughs> get your pictures taken. <laughs> get your pictures taken. <laughs> we may not do a podcast about it, though. I'm going to throw that out there nowadays. I know there's some crazy rumors floating around the internet about how we will do a podcast about your game if you send it to us, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you better talk to us first <laughs> yeah you know outline what you want and we'll outline whether we want to do it or not but right. I, I think like the more content creators and audiences that the game goes out to the better chance it will sell i mean this all goes with the original hype thing we were talking about right well like it's expensive to produce like even a demo of a game right and you can't send it to everybody and you got to send it to the right people right too right like who you know i i looked at i saw i saw a funny a funny story from kids splaining the other day where they were asked to review this game about something about drinking shots or something like that <laughs> and the and the and the people are like yeah we think like you're you're a good fit to market our game like do you even know who we are we're like we're you know our our kids review the games like no thank you <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to push your game to content creators, like make sure you're pushing it to the right content creators. Yeah, make sure you do your research. Make sure you do your research. I mean, it is pretty easy yeah. to like to send it to the high to the top end people. And if you have money, you're going to do that, right? Like if you don't have a right. if you don't have a high marketing budget, you're probably not going to do that. Like you're not going to send it to Dice Tower or Board Game Geek if you don't have a high budget cuz I'm assuming they actually charge money yep. so they could stay in the market. But for other schmucks <laughs> like us, <laughs> yeah, you better or like or even like the ads like you know how we always we're always getting those like ads like hey promote it on empire records like what is this <laughs> oh yeah i don't know if that's just uh, like a virus or some sh- stuff i got in my <laughs> oh that's probably i gotta i gotta look into it because it yeah it's probably just a bot they're probably just bots going around yeah i just delete it yeah oh you can delete from instagram that's cool yeah but anyway so like a content creator is basically like a billboard and you you gotta know you gotta know your brand really and right do you really want to tell people every game is the best or do you want to push the right people to buy the right games? Right. And I think we were in this, like at the beginning, we're like, Oh, we're con, you know, we're board game reviewers and we're like, Oh, there's no bad game. And then I'm like, later on, I'm like, Oh, there are bad games. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I think like, you know, the games have to be set up for the right people, right? Like, you can't just... Right. There are games out there, like, here's a game, check it out. Make sure you do your research. Like, don't just... <laughs> just because you see someone with a game doesn't necessarily mean it's it's the game for you, or it's good. Yeah, that's why I like, kind of like, when we preview games, we're like, you know, this game may not be for us, but this is who will enjoy it. We could see that, right? Like, we could see, like, yeah. an audience. Sometimes I see a game, and I'm like, ooh, this is marketed wrong. I do see that occasionally, too. I'm not going to mention right. any games, because I don't want them telling us to take their name off our podcast like what happened to us before oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah can you guys not mention us in your podcast like well that podcast is out <laughs> like for like six months <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure we're not the reason why your game isn't selling <laughs> let me tell you it's definitely not us <sighs> yeah <laughs> life of a content creator but anyway so there i feel like there's there is a lot of content creators out there that will tell you every game is great and you have to try everything and like they 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 kind of don't want to be negative because we understand it's hard or or there's other content creators who are super negative and people love their content yeah. all those people are more successful than us i'm gonna point that out to you <laughs> but it's just like i don't know it just gets tiring like if you have like oh, I'm gonna be always negative or I'm gonna be always positive, you're like ugh, 
just tell us, you know, tell us what the game is, really. We'll decide. <laughs> All right. And then finally, so that's budget. And then I guess our budget went off topic, but whatever. And then finally, the game may not appeal to large audiences, right? So one classic example of that for me is Moonflight. So a very indie game by Manokank Games. The game is fantastic. It's like deck building to the next level, but not everyone mm-hmm. sees that because they think of a typical deck builder and they can't really get past that idea of a deck builder, which, you know, is just yeah. you start with 10 cards and then slowly buy your way up from like, you know, a pile of cards that are accessible to everybody. Whereas in this one, you you know, and, and you can listen to other podcasts where you review it or talk about it, but basically you have your own set of cards and you buy from your own set and that your deck has a theme to it that you're trying to satisfy to get the most points in the end of the game. You're built, you're unbuilding your deck through a method of flipping all your cards but anyways i feel like people just can't get over that and like you know i was actually reading some comments and one of the comments was like yes it's a deck builder (laughs) but i don't understand but you have to understand each deck before you play and it's like i'm like and they're like game is four out of five and i'm like yeah that's actually why the game is so great it's because every deck is its own system that you have to understand you know what i mean it's like you got it but you didn't get it (laughs) (laughs) right maybe the game isn't for you maybe you need to play more deck builders before you go into this game just so you could kind of warm up to it i guess or maybe you just don't like that that idea that you have to learn many different systems like i don't know it's interesting (laughs) with manokin games and moonflight obviously there's a lot of things going in there there's budget you know there's brand and obviously large audience it's hard to get to so on that note john what is your Overlook game. And by the way, I have no idea what John chose. Go ahead. I chose a self-published game that I got off Kickstarter last year. And the game I chose was Spire's End, designed by Greg Favreau and art by Benjamin Wiseman. Nice. So Spire's End is a solo and cooperative game that's kind of told through an interactive story-driven scenarios through cards that you play. It's sort of like a dungeon crawler type thing where you have to fight enemies and you make choices and those choices affect how your game turns out. Does it solo? You can play it solo, yeah. Okay, sweet. Or you can do it cooperatively. It's pretty simple to set up. Rules are pretty simple. There's minimal components. What I what I really liked about it is that it really just like immersed me into what was going on. So basically in the game of Spire's End, you know, you're in like a kind of like a Viking-esque town and this this random spire appeared out of nowhere and you know a lot of the townsfolk disappeared so you, you enter this spire to see what's going on and save the town essentially so you pick like your you pick some characters to play with during the game and you just kind of battle villains as you go along and some of those villains give you special abilities as you move through the game and you try to get as far as you can hopefully get to the end by just going through the story i haven't beat it yet so i'm looking forward to that what's cool about it they are releasing an, uh, like a little expansion that it's i think it's a like a, like a separate story in the same world as well so that's kind of cool so yeah it falls number like 3940 rank on board game geek got a high score of 8.2 wow from from people who've played it how many plays or how many ratings i'm just curious there's 259 ratings yeah see it's too low for them to give it an eight right it's like it's like weighted by number of plays or something yeah huh so what'd you love about it? First of all, the art is what sold it. I think you you saw it first and you, you had mentioned it and I pretty much backed it just without even looking at any of the, the videos or anything like that. Oh, I just really? thought the artwork was gorgeous and the game was actually pretty good. It was really immersive, which was nice. And 
I kind of took my time playing it and just playing slowly to get used to the rules and how like the fighting system works or the combat system works. And yeah, I got about maybe halfway through and then my my characters died. Okay. So I had to, I stopped, but I haven't, I haven't played it since my last playthrough, which is about a month or two ago. But yeah, it can take like, it can be really quick or it can be a really long game, which is pretty cool. And just making sure you make the right choices as you move along. Is there anything you didn't like about it? I felt it like a little confusing to like start it. Yeah, I totally turned this into what you played Wednesdays. By the way, that's a plug for it. You can check out a lot of, con- of Canadian content creators on what you played Wednesdays by Bridge City Gamers. You know, and uh, you know, I had a hard time like getting into like the like the fighting, the combat thing. But once you get used to it, it's pretty it's pretty easy. And and I try and I'm, I'm I feel like I always want to cheat when I play solo. Oh, just so I can get I can get through the game. Oh my, but. dude, dude, I'm playing Arkham Horror the LCG solo again. Yeah, and all I do is cheat. I'm like <laughs> I'm like this game is like so. brutal. This is stupid. So I just like start like no, I didn't draw that, and like I didn't draw that chaos token. I didn't draw a negative four. Yeah. I drew a zero. Stuff it, game. <laughs> So I try I try not to, to 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 cheat too much when I was playing this game. I wanted to have like a real experience. But yeah, it was it was really fun and you know, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it and they should cuz it was it was good. I feel like it, did, it yeah, I feel like it didn't get a lot of hype. It did get on someone's like top game of 2020 list, but the thing is when it's a Kickstarter and how small it is, it's hard to get acquire the game. And I think like that is kind of a problem too, like you can't get it to a large market, so, you know, yeah, it's harder to get. Well, it's it's self-published too. It's not by a, a large company, so. Right. So you basically have to go that, through that's, the That's that's a huge you thing. You have to go through them to get it. Right. Yeah. But they are doing a second printing. Sweet. At spireszen.com. This is, you know, not sponsored or anything, but there's a second printed coming. So you can pre order that now. And they got over 900% funded on Kickstarter. So nice. That's good. Not too bad. That's real good. Cool. So you want to hear my game? I do. To define my game, I just kind of looked through every game we played in 20... Well, actually, since we started recording, which is like 2019. And the game that came to mind was something I actually played at PAX Unplugged with fellow content creator Adam Factor from Sprites and Dice. And that game is Humble Tea Party uh, 2019. Kind of, I guess it's kind of themed. I was going to say abstract, but it's a theme game designed by Nansumu. And it's self-published. The game, we actually reviewed it when we used to review games. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> oh, yep. that was fun. In Humble Tea Party, you construct a 3x3 three three grid, and points are earned by matching different symbols on the cards by row and column. As you play the game, you will take a tile off one of the three stacks of sweets and add that sweet to your opponent's sweet box, the 3x3 three three tableau or grid to make their box better than yours the goal of the game is to have the least appealing or lowest points in your sweet box and as you play the game it is mandatory to be as polite as possible (laughs) in typical japanese tradition it's also funny because that game is not ranked at all and it has 10 ratings (laughs) really yeah it only has 10 ratings so i'm like i think i'm one of the 10 ratings i rated it like I don't know. I think I rated an eight, maybe. Maybe I rated a seven. I don't know. I rate a lot of things a seven. No, I rated an eight. And it really hasn't been played at all. Or at least if it has been played, it really hasn't been rated on Board Game Geek. Why do you think that is? Well, (laughs) 
let me get into a couple points here. So what I loved about oh, it is that it's simple to play, it's fast, it's fun, and it's the most Japanese game I've ever played. As in like, oh, you are way better than me. Let me help you become better than me. We played it as a group several times. And actually, I think the group asked to play it several times, which is pretty not normal for our group. And there's downtime between terms, but you actually have to pay attention to everyone's sweet box and there's like this like math going on that really kind of brings you in so you really have to like uh -huh. be in the game like you can't just be doing something else i also think that it appeals not just to male gamers but to all gamers and it is literally for anyone probably any sort of human older than the age of 13 because the math and attention thing but if you're a smart kid maybe like i don't know like if you're if you're john's kids maybe six seven who knows what i <laughs> disliked about it is that you need more than two players which sucks because when i brought it home from pax unplugged my wife is like i am so excited to play that i started reading the rules and immediately i'm like oh three six <laughs> and i'm like oh and there's no yeah. solo mode but that's kind of understandable the other thing is that it, it is awesome that it is actually a small box game and it's three to six players which is pretty decent but it sucks that it's only two players and no solo mode the other thing is that if you don't like symbols like there's a lot of translations going on in it so you may if you don't like that you may not like the game because there's a lot of japanese things going on and you kind of have to always have the reference sheet in front of you to figure out what's up and then does it hit the points well we played it do we love it john yeah i really enjoyed it i think it was one of the few games where most of the group if not all the group liked it including my brother remember jay was playing with including us your brother yeah yeah it is current it's from 2019 but unfortunately it's really hard to get you can get it through bigcatgames.biz they're not a sponsor but they sell imported games from japan and I think they do translations on them. Nice. So they have a lot of games. Well, I shouldn't say they have a lot of games. They actually have a limited number of games that they bring in, but they're very usually very good. And you should definitely check them out. The game is not in the top 1,000 games on Board Game Geek because it's not ranked. It is not an expansion, and it is not overhyped. In fact, I haven't seen any buzz about this game besides from Adam Factor from Sprites and Dice, who happened to demo it with me. <laughs> So big. Sh I, I was. I'm looking at it on Board Game Geek, and I see that we're the only re written review on there too. Oh, really? <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. I don't. Know, I don't remember writing that review. I so. think. I think I wrote it. I might have wrote it. But man, nice. man, isn't that crazy? So we're like we're basically the original hipsters of that world. There you go. So us and Adam. So big shout out to Adam. I I know he's not a listener. So, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So what was the original question you asked? Why is it not played? Yeah, why do you think it's not rated very much? Because you can't get it. That's what I think. I think it's yeah. just like, because it's from Japan and it's a very Japanese game and it's probably produced in Japan. They don't, uh, it's, it's, it's probably hard for them to bring over these smaller games into North America because they have to compete with the larger theme, you know? So did, did your game hit all those points? Was your game, did we, you played it, you loved it, right? Yeah. It was not overhyped. So content creators weren't really pushing it. Maybe a few, but not many. It's recent, it's from 2020. It's not in the top 1,000. You said it was ranked, what, 3,000, 5,000? Yeah, 3,500 or something like that. Okay, and then it's not an expansion. So yes, it does hit all those, and so does mine. So yeah, we highly recommend both of them. So mine was Humble Tea Party by Nanatsumu. Oh, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but you get that at bigcatgames.biz. And yours was what? Sorry, John? Spire's End. So you can get that at spiresend.com, I think. 
Okay, so, I mean, if we're looking at games together, John, on an aside for, like, 20 minutes, <laughs> we were just trying to figure out what games. And I, I think we came to a conclusion of three games, but we definitely narrowed it down. So three was definitely Cosmic Colonies, which you haven't played. I played. I didn't think it was as good when I played at Gen Con, but the more I think about it, the more I liked it, because I feel like I played a lot of other games similar to it. It's kind of like a Tetrisy game of like trying to cover your own spaces on your own board to get points. But the more I the mm-hmm. more I compare it to other games, the more I liked it. The second game was Hocus Pocus, which we both liked. Yeah, Hocus Pocus was cool. Yeah, I feel like it got a lot of hype when it was like announced at was it Gen Con online yeah, last but year. I really didn't get anything beyond that. Yeah, and I picked it up at I know it was released to the bookstore, Indigo Bookstore here in Canada as like an exclusive around Halloween this year. So I think it's, or sorry, last year. And I think, you know, I was looking at 401 games. And I think it just started coming out on the new release section there. Oh. So I think maybe we, more people will start getting it maybe this year. Yeah, yeah. Because that's another thing. When they release the like big stores like that, like they may get more mainstream bought, but less board gamer bought. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last one, which is actually kind of in the similar boat. It's called Here to Slay. And it's made by the people who made Unstable Unicorns. So there's two things with that. One. When the game did its Kickstarter, it was super hyped. It was super successful, and it's a great game. But after that, I actually heard nothing about it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And... And yeah. it was one of the, like, and it was honestly one of the, like, of the games we played in 2020, it, I would say it was, like, Novi's favorite. Like, Novi loved it. You couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, it was a really good game. I think, I think probably what killed it for that was the, like, the all-in package mm. came with, came with some, like, plastic pieces that really have nothing to, to do with the game. Oh, sta- like you don't need stand- them at standees. all. They had, like... Yeah, the standees, and it's just like, well, why am I paying this extra money for, like, nothing that adds value to the game so i think a lot of people were upset about i want to point out that i am a hipster and i didn't get the standees i just got like the basic game (laughs) because i didn't see any point like this adds nothing yes the game is good though the game is good though it's very magic-y and you're just trying to get like you're just trying to recruit first person recruit or kill so many monsters wins the game i think recruit six right but yeah it's super clever it's very good it's kind of long though it's maybe like a two-hour game when you play it but yeah, I, I didn't see anyone really promote it. I don't think it's in the top. I doubt it's in the top thousand games. Let me see here. Here. Yeah, no, twenty two hundred. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And yeah. it's not an expansion, although it does have expansions right away. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, no one's really talked about it. Maybe we should talk about it. We should just blow it up. See what happens. Okay. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. I don't know. <laughs> So what points do you think we should make? Like, what? how do you think a game should really stand out? Like, is there anything that would make a game really noticeable? I think, especially for like a smaller game, you know, like Spire's End or something, or Humble Tea Party, like they're both really, really good games. Right. So getting them in the hands of really influential content creators is kind of going to be key, you know? And I think maybe, I don't know, you know, what they're, what Greg Favreau, the guy who despires and I don't know what his like marketing strategy is for this expansion or, or side story game that's coming out is. But I think send some games out if you can. Yeah, that's, that's all budget, right? That's all budget. Right. So I, I don't know what that looks like. But he's been doing a lot. I know he's, I've noticed that he's been posting a lot more on the Instagram, like artwork and stuff for this new expansion. And it's just, it's great. It's a different color scheme than the last one, which is really cool, mm-hmm. which I've noticed. And yeah, I think... 
I, my point's always going to be marketing at the end of the game. At the end of the day, just make a great game because if it's going to be good, people are going to talk about it. Yeah, I, I think, I think the games need explosions. Yeah. <laughs> Like literal, it's, you open it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you like burn your face off when you're opening the package. Um, and, and even if the game has nothing to do with explosions, like maybe it's about like, I don't know, gardening. It should just have like, <laughs> like you should open up and boom. Big, oh, that sounds terrible. Actually, I just played a game about gardening. So Did you? What was it? I mean, oh, that, good. that Norwegian game. It's a Norwegian. Yeah. Or Iceland, Icelandic, Icelandic game. Icelandic. Yeah. Yeah. That game yeah. should you just open it up and like maybe confetti like blows up in your face. Yeah. <laughs> i'll try to be all serious here <laughs> let's blow you up uh you know how i roll yeah no i mean I, I agree with your with your point on marketing it's all about getting the game into the right hands getting someone to have the right opinion when we did our podcast with jamie stegmeyer you know he said that wingspan really really blew up because there was a board game person who was also a bird person and kind of pitched the game to every bird person and that's why it was so successful i mean it was a good game but like it was mm-hmm. more successful outside the board game crowd than a normal board game because it was like a bird collecting game. It could, yeah. And actually, he kind of, I kind of like try to get it out of him. Like, do you think it kind of appeals to everybody? You know how I was saying earlier that like games are very male centric, board games yeah. are very male centric, but his game is actually like everyone centric because birds are really like, you could like, anyone could like birds, you know? My grandma could like yep. birds, my mom could like birds you know, I could like birds. A person who likes dungeon crawlers could like birds. So anyway, so <laughs> the point is like, I was trying to get, I was actually trying to get out of him. Like, Hey, do you think it just appeals to anybody? And he was just kind of like, no, nah, I think it's just because the right person with the right <laughs> mindset promoted it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it did win to 2019 game of the year. Like Elizabeth Hargrave <laughs> knew what she was doing when she made it. Right. Yeah. So on that note, I think it should appeal or you should at least claim it appeals to every audience, even though it doesn't like, for instance, John, does your Spire's End appeal to... Is it about game about animals? There's rats in it. Does your game revolve around cooking? I'm sure you have to travel through some sort of kitchen. Does your game revolve around gladiatorial combat with crazy weapons? Yes. <laughs> does your game include cats? Mm, no, there's rats, though. But does it include cats? Not that I've seen so far. But does it include cats? Can you see me winking? No. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh. I mean, sure. I'm sure there's animals. There's other animals. I'm sure. Well, I know one of the warriors is wearing like animal skin. Boom. It's probably cat. Whoa. There you go. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll just pretend like it's not wearing cat skin. And then <laughs> what did you, you say your game was about again? Gardening. <laughs> exactly. I really like it. I will buy a thousand copies. Thank you. Nice. Go for it. <laughs> Oh, and it needs to contain a brand, <laughs> right? Like it needs, like you just need to slap something on it. Like what? What should Spire's End slap on it? What do you think? You know what? I think like a big publisher should pick it up and produce it. It's a sweet game. Okay, know? so Pandasaurus. <laughs> Or uh, the op. Uh, the op. Well, the op would like combine it with something though. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. If anyone listened to our Rallyman GT five minute thing, now which played Wednesdays, I think they should make a Mario Kart version of Rallyman GT. Are you with me on that? Oh, that'd be oh, fun. Oh man, that'd be so amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it to Ross tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just gonna like post it. I'm like, dude, we played Rallyman GT. You need to do this right now. So yeah. So. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And then you were saying, so basically we need to send it to the right content creator to buy in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, I think you should play on people's emotions. Like make it make a situation, you know, like it's just got to be like, it's got to be either ridiculous or funny or heartwarming, you know, like imagine a commercial for Spire's End, right? And mm-hmm. then, I don't know, what's the game about again? Well, listen, so your entire civilized, not civil, I don't know, civilization is not the right word, but your entire, you know, civilization, your entire country or city has been like sucked in by this giant spire that has appeared out of nowhere. I mean, it, it, it's a heart, heart-wrenching story, right? You're trying to save, you know, your clan and your, and your people. Yeah. Right? So, so and you're the only one, then you're the only one that can do so it. So we twist that, you know, like you're in a clan of puppies and you got to save all the puppies and you're the only one who could do it. Too many puppies. And then we're back to puppy kingdom. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) We're back to puppy kingdom. There you go. Just turn Spire's End into puppy kingdom. I like it. I like it. Is there anything else that can make this game become noticeable besides my, my clearly sophisticated, very serious, points that i threw out there yeah you know just make a great game get it in the hands of the people who match your brand you know set aside some money for that budget to to promote it with some content creators and i think your game will be good you know if it's not your goal to be published by by a publisher and you just want to get your you know your blood sweat and tears into the hands of some people do that you know just just make sure that you have a great game on your hands and if it's that good people will talk about it yeah i agree yeah so i mean if you're listening check out spire zen if you can snag humble tea party somewhere grab it they're both really good games i'm gonna take some more pictures of spire zen and i'm gonna eat the pastries and humble tea party (laughs) (laughs) i'm just hungry All right. Is that everything? That's it. All right. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS. You can check us out on our website, FridayNight.Games. If you have a game or you know a game that you'd like for us to preview, shoot us an email at info at FridayNight.Games and check us out on our YouTube channel where we're going to be starting to post some amazing videos eventually when we get to shooting them. Again, this is Matt and John for Friday Night Games. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun.